Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Hey, everybody. All right, get that last hug in. Come sit down. Sit crisscross applesauce. Get out your wiggles. Do what you need to do. Blow, yeah, catch a bubble. Yes, I'm here for all of it. So I'm, I'm Mary. If you're new, I'm the children and family pastor here. And so I'm usually in the hallway with the little ones. Um, but every once in a while, I get to come in here and I got to hang out with the, the big kids and the grown-ups, and that's pretty awesome too. Today's a super special week because this is Vision Sunday. And this happens once a year. And this is the day that we get to come together and we get to think about all the things that we've been dreaming about and longing for. And we get to name those things and say them out loud to each other. And we get to consider where we have been in the past and how we are going to move forward because even the good places we're not supposed to stay, we're always moving towards something new. God is always doing a new thing. And I think of the verse in Proverbs that without vision, people perish. And so we hold on to the new visions, the new dreams, because we know that's where the, the new life and the hope is found. So when I think about vision, I think about a treasure hunt. There's something that happens. There's this word that I find that kind of lands and sits in my soul, and it makes me a little excited, and it oftentimes makes me a little nervous. And I go from there, and it becomes this treasure hunt. I find it in conversations. I find it when I'm reading my Bible. I find it come up again and again in prayer, and I hold on to that vision. Uh, when we're in Sunday school, we have this, this spiritual practice of holy listening sticks. And the kids look at these pictures, these really open-ended pictures, and I ask them, what do you hear God speaking to you today? And there's never a right or a wrong answer. It's a spiritual practice. And for some of these children, it's the very first time they get to consider that God has words that are specifically for them, that his words don't just come from a book or handed down to the grown-ups. God has words for each of us. And a lot of times um, they pick the same picture. Uh, the heart and the broken heart are very popular picks uh, week to week, but every once in a while, kids will pick totally different pictures, but there's this theme, this concept that runs throughout all of it. And those Sundays are extra specially special because God's doing something. He's doing something in the classroom. And I tell the kids, pay attention. And so we listen to each other's words a little more closely, and we look around to see what God might be doing. In that same way, vision is like that treasure hunt. It is also, I don't know if you've been to an, area, an airport where they have the recombobulation area. It's a made-up word. I checked it out. It's not even in the Webster's Dictionary, but it is at airports. So if you think of how you feel when you are discombobulated, it's the opposite of that. Vision is a chance when you are feeling unsorted to go back to the essentials and to start refocusing and recentering. 
And that's why we keep these visions close to our heart throughout the year. It's a chance when everything starts getting complicated and messy, we can recombobulate with our vision. But there's also limitations to what vision can do or even what it's intended to do. I don't believe that mission and vision are the same thing, although a lot of times they're used very interchangeably. Mission would be something that like the universal church would do. We all kind of share the same vision. Our vision is to bring God's kingdom and to make disciples. The vision is the way that we implement that as a personal body of Christ, how we are doing that based on our gifts, our strengths, the things that we're enthusiastic about, where we are planted in the world. All of that stuff makes a difference to how we implement bringing his kingdom. And vision is intended to be simple. When my kids were little and they would ask me this really morally ambiguous question and I wouldn't be sure how to answer, I would go back to what I did know. What does Jesus say we do? He tells us to love God and to love people. And I'd ask them, well, is this loving God? Is this loving people? And we'd have our answer. In the same way, vision is a way of asking in uncertainty, what simple thing can we hold tight to in this moment, in this specific circumstance, that gets us closer to the heart of Jesus and closer to the way that he would have us love as he loves. And at LBCF, if this is your first Vision Sunday, vision also informs our sermons throughout the entire year. It informs our sermon series, the things that we talk about, and then each and every sermon. It also directs our decisions, and it's something that we will revisit again and again as a chance to consider where we're missing it and the ways that we have seen new glimpses into his kingdom in the process. This year when um, pastors Danny and Ryan and I met, there was this, um, this iffiness, this kind of um, like wanting to aversion almost to like find a snappy little slogan. Um, that's something that could feel forced and performative. I, um, I think of the year that our vision for the year was say yes, 2020. And then COVID hit and the whole year was just like one great big no. So what we found as we talked and we dreamed and we prayed together again and again was this longing to return to our roots, to be grounded in the things that we know are true, and to simplify things in a way that we could remember the things that are true that we haven't really had time to sit with and consider for a long time. So this year, instead of um, a snappy slogan, we're going to values, the things that we're really holding tight to, the things that we are going to be practicing, the things that we are longing for in this coming year. And y'all, vision does not exist in a vacuum. This is a communal practice. We all get to do this. Vision is a calling that we all get to participate in. And so if you walked in the door 
you may have gotten a note card. And if you didn't, we will get you note cards because we're going to be asking a question um, today, asking what and how you can participate in this vision in this year. And we'll revisit that throughout this message. I'm going to pass it to Danny. Thanks so much, Mary. Yeah, I'm excited about um, this year. Um, you know, as, as Mary said, we were trying to think through um, what the mission vision would be. And honestly, it was hard. We had to keep postponing and we told the elders we need some more time. Um, and as we were like thinking and praying through this, you know, one of the things I brought up um, to um, Ryan and Mary was that, you know, um, my wife and I live in La Mirada. And so um, we have to take the freeway to get to church um, every Sunday. And so because of that, we always pass by the sign that's off the freeway. And I was telling them that, you know what, one of the things that I, I love seeing is the words to live and love like Jesus. There's something beautiful, simple, and really profound about that. And so, you know, we talked about what would it mean for us to go back to our roots and actually, like, focus on that. When I think about the life of Jesus, I mean, I just see a beautiful, beautiful life. I mean, Jesus had a way of living that he was able to tap into, like, how God made the world. God made it, the world in such abundance and in such, like, beauty that Jesus knew how to engage with people. And he knew how to, like, help people see that, hey, there are certain things that aren't beautiful. And I want to show you what it looks like to live a beautiful life. And so I look at Jesus, and there's such an appeal, such an attraction, because Jesus, as God in flesh, was able to, like, show us and to, to lead and, and even to invite, like, this small group of disciples, right, who were, like, total opposites of each other. You, you, you couldn't bring together a more, like, weird group of people, and yet Jesus was trying to show them this is what love looks like. And so, you know, one of the things, you know, that we want to do is, like Mary said, go back to our roots, to pay attention to what does that mean to live and love like Jesus. And I know part of that might mean, you know, who is Jesus? Um, and so, you know, for the next few months, you know, better part of the year, I think we're going to be like looking at the life of Jesus. And, and for some reason, when I think about that, that feels like, oh, yes, that seems so grounding. That seems so grounding. And so I know that I've already begun implementing this, you know, as, as I've gone through like my own set of hardships. Um, you know, the past few weeks, I've been thinking, what, what does it mean to live and love like Jesus right now? And I want, you know, us to begin asking that question. And as we as a church are, you know, are going to explore that, uh, we're going to um, visit um, three words that are familiar for those of you that have been BCF uh, for some time, and those words are adoption, ambassador, and abundance. Uh, but we're going to um, um, outline some corresponding values to that. And so um, one of the things we're going to talk about uh, this morning as a lead team is health, hospitality, and heart. And so here's Ryan to talk a little bit more about that. So, yeah, I, uh, on New Year's morning, we had a, a very small group um, in here on Christmas morning. We had a small group in here. And one of the amazing things was that um, one of the people who 
or two of them that actually came who were new said, we're here because we're reading Pastor Brandon's book. When is Pastor Brandon going to be here? And for some of you, you may have no context for anything pre-2023 or 2022. There's a lot of new people. And so there's a whole group of people here who may have not. Um, there may be a lot of language that we employ here at this church. I was on staff here for a good couple of years before I knew what we were talking about in a lot of meetings because there's a lot of language that is thrown around. And I really want to be a part of a communal um, <clears throat> growth process where the words that we use, the phrases that we actually bring up have life to them. They have meaning to them. And, it, and that phrase, learning to live and love like Jesus has a lot of meaning for me because I went through a very intentional small group process where we read Pastor Brandon's book, who was the uh, who was the teachings in your pastor here up until um, Easter of 2020. So if you're newer than Easter of 2020, you may have no clue where that came from. But there is a book that he wrote from the with the same title in the back, but. Um, I would love to be a part of a communal growth where we actually put some um, some actual practices, some how, not just what words do we use, but how does that actually get um, fleshed out? How, how do we actually step into that as a community? Not just a value that has a title that sounds great that everybody can agree to, but what does that actually call us to in practice? And so... Um, I'm going to be talking about how, um, yeah, that in John 14, 9, it says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so this real intentional look at what learning to live like Jesus looks like in practice as a community, very intentionally placed here. Why are we here? How do we actually live that out as a community of the people that have walked in this room? How do we walk it out here? And also, how does that play out at home? How does that play out in our workplaces? And so um, one of the first things that we talked about was this idea of health. And so um, one of the, uh, of course, many of the themes will overlap, but um, the first being how um, this, this, yeah, this concept of, of health. Sorry, I went off notes. And of course, now that it's on my phone, um, I, I cannot find where I'm at. But um, putting flesh in practice onto those concepts. Yeah, so for the adoption word, and if you've, come here for even this one week, we always show that video that says adoption ambassador abundance all the time. And Pastor Brandon was very big on this, um, this reality that language builds culture, that, that language, if you use it enough and if you implant it enough and if you actually adopt it enough, that that becomes the culture that, that you will embrace as a community. And so adoption um, is is this concept that God has welcomed us in as ad adopted grafted children into his family long before you ever did anything that you are uh, adopted in and we start from that place as children 
welcomed in, brought in, brought close, loved, cared for. And so from that place, not from a place of having to earn or work our way or hustle towards God's love, it exists because he brought us in and brought us close. close. And so one of the things in that concept that we want to talk about is, is health. And so that's e- emotional health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, fight, natural health, relational health, eco logical health and yeah there's there's going to be a three-step program to make sure that in the next few months you master all of those things right like no hopefully that landed as the joke it was meant because of course in our community we will not be able to to unpack and 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 perfect all of that but that when we look as a leadership we want to be able to have the questions are we being healthy are we handling these 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 tasks, these programs, these conversations with health. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's not going to be a three-step program, and it may feel less measurable, but it's more relational, right? Like it's, it's not a thing that we will have on a piece of paper saying, here's where we can track it, but it means that as a community, we need the feedback from all of you to be able to hold us accountable also in that health conversation too. And so we obviously want to see LB's if thrive and have more people here and grow and all of those numbers are great, but as children that were called in that were brought close before we ever could earn or hustle or do anything. It's from that place that we will actually free people up to rest and into health and into asking questions of how is this a healthy community for you and for the people that you care about, for your family. And so asking those healthy questions, asking how are, how is our adoption playing out in the health of our body? I love that. And I love you. Um, The next value that we're going to be living into is uh, through the ambassador word. We're going to really be leaning into and considering hospitality this year. What does it mean to really show hospitality to each other? Um, For years, I really disqualified myself when I heard the word hospitality because we have this little small rundown house and I got three cats and a dog and they shed a lot. And if you've ever been to my house or even like seen the inside of my car or even just seen me in the classroom, you probably have gotten the idea that I'm not the most meticulous or methodical person and it really shows. And so I would disqualify myself when I heard the word hospitality. Um, but I've come to realize that hospitality is actually not a gift. It's something that we are all called to do. And it has nothing to do with the state of your house. I feel like Martha Stewart has done all of us a disservice because we now think that hospitality has to just look like the most extravagant and amazing meal. But the definition of hospitality is actually a really warm welcome. It's embracing people where they are at. It's making sure they feel safe, that their needs are met. And that is something we all can do. 
I love doing that. And once I realized that's what hospitality was, I was really able to lean into that. Um, and if Jesus is our model for what hospitality looks like, if we are learning how to live and love like him and how he practiced hospitality, it is widely believed that Jesus was homeless for his entire three years of ministry, that he was dependent on the kindness and generosity of others to be fed, to have places to stay, and to sleep. When we look at Jesus as our model for hospitality, we see that it was his extravagant love that drew people to him. What amazes me when I read the Last Supper is Jesus's ability to stay present with the people that were right in front of him. He knew what he was about to walk into. We know he felt dread. We know he felt afraid. We know he felt deep grief at the betrayal that had already happened and the betrayal that was about to come. And yet, Jesus was with those people in the loft that night, and he was present with them, and he fed them food. And he said, hey, this is important. Let's come back to this and remember this. When things get really hard, let's think about this time together in the loft. And he washed their feet. This is how Jesus practiced hospitality. He was present with the person that was right in front of him. When he saw children, he got really excited and brought them over because he knew that kids were a big deal at a time when society did not think that children were. He would invite himself over to dinner. He called people by their names. He had so much fun at weddings that when they ran out of wine, he was like, I gotcha. And I'm not very good at being present like Jesus was. Um, I tend to freak out about what's going to happen next and to totally dissect all the things that I had just said that were really stupid the moment before. But when I look at Jesus as the model, Jesus never does this. He stays completely present. He is with the person that is right in front of him. In Jesus, we see this invitation to rest, this invitation to love, this invitation to trust that God is our portion and our provider in this moment, and that he will be our portion and provider in the next moment and the next. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we are the fragrance of Christ. I always think of cologne when I hear that because um, I love cologne. It reminds me of my dad when he would get ready on Sunday morning and his shoe shining ritual. And um, so now when I'm out and I smell somebody with cologne, like I want to lean in and I want to inhale deeply. I've had to talk myself down from following people in the store so I can sniff them. Like it would be weird, I know, and so I don't, but I really want to. But there is something about that olfactory. It lights up our memories and our brains. It reminds us of the other things. And so when we are the fragrance of Christ, we get to remind people of the goodness and the graciousness and the mercy and the warmth and love of God. And we get to do that in our day-to-day -day lives, just doing all the things that we typically do. And as we go about them, people can just get that little whiff of Jesus that reminds them of his goodness. 
I want all of you to think about that person that you know, that person that when you think about the fragrance of Christ, you think about them. Do you have your person? Okay, why did you pick that person? It was probably not because of their like impeccable home or their gourmet food, right? It's the way you felt when you were with them. It's because you felt loved and seen and safe and nourished just by their presence. That is what hospitality is. That is what we are all called to do. And we have an opportunity to practice that kind of hospitality every single day. So as we live into this value of hospitality into this coming year, we get to ask ourselves over and over again, how are we making space at the table for others? How are we making space in our lives for others, for each other within this community, for the other, the one that we don't have much in common with, for strangers, for the ones that we love but we don't even know yet? How are we making room for those people? Um, in Sunday school, I tell the kids a lot that God's kingdom is like the opposite of musical chairs. In musical chairs, there is this perpetual scarcity. There's always one chair that is taken away. But in God's kingdom, when one person sits down, the next chair is drawn up ready for the next. And that's what we get to do here. We get to remember there's always space. There's always room for more. I also think about how just about everybody in this room, your first um, moment of being fed was one of deep intimacy. It was one where you were held in somebody's arms and you were looked at and delighted in and um, nourished. And you got to look into that face and feel the awe of those eyes looking back at you for the very first time. It's those arms that reach. That's what we get to model when we are practicing the hospitality, the arms that hold and see and delight. And so it's not just that we're working on making those tables longer and wider. It's that we're making our arms longer and wider too. It's reaching for the person that is just a little ways away from us. And it's considering how can I be the fragrance of Christ to that person? And now we're going to talk about the last value with Danny. Thanks, Mary. I love that. Uh, picture of uh, the opposite of musical chairs. I think that's so descriptive. And I think that really relates to our last um, one is um, abundance um, and heart. Um, and I think when I think of heart um, and abundance, I know that so often, you know, we live in a word world of scarcity where we are so much in competition. Um, and it keeps us, I think, from loving because we feel like we don't have enough to give. But I think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 when he says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and Jesus, I think, lived this out, right? Jesus kept showing what it means to be expansive in your love, to, to have this abundant 
love and this generosity. His heart was always overflowing. And I know that, you know, whatever we celebrate, that's what we will pursue. Um, and, you know, when Mary was talking about Martha Stewart and, and kind of celebrity status, and, you know, we're, we're a culture that cele celebrates celebrities. And oftentimes celebrities are people who, like, have big mansions, a lot of cars, expensive things, and toys. And, and we, we gravitate towards that. And, and the more we, like, um, celebrate those things, our heart naturally wants to become those things. But one of the things I see in Jesus' life is that um, no, that's not the way Jesus lived. In fact, he shares a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And, and he basically shows, like, he talks about how this rich man had all this fine linen. And, and yet there was somebody right outside, right outside of his gates. And, and you know, in, in our culture, we would celebrate the rich man and forget about Lazarus. But Jesus lived in such a way that he was able to say, you know what? Value. Value the person at the gate. Um, pay attention because there's, there's so much beauty there. And I know there's a disease of the heart oftentimes that manifests itself in, in apathy. That oftentimes when we begin to value and get sidetracked by the wrong things, when our vision becomes so narrow-minded that it doesn't see the things of the kingdom, it be begins to like create something in our heart that keeps us from seeing the kingdom of God, that keeps us from seeing the things Jesus sees. And so in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, you know, a lot of people in, in that time would have probably looked at the Lazarus and said, I, I pity him. But, but in Jesus' story, Jesus is like reframing it. And, and Jesus is basically saying that the person to be pitied here is actually the person who was rich. The person whose heart was so callous to the things that were going on outside of the gate that, that it kept him from, from understanding what love and, and justice and mercy looks like. And so I know as a, as a community, you know, one of the things, the hard things about, like, I'm, I'm the community pastor here. And, you know, for the past two years, I've been trying to figure out what can, like, you know, what can I help lead the church towards to participate in? And I've been in churches long enough to know that, you know what, I can't just, like, create a program and expect people to come. I remember back in my old church, you know, we decided, hey, we're going to... Um, on Saturday mornings, you know, help feed the poor in Buena Park. The first couple of weeks, people would come, and then slowly but surely, nobody came anymore. You know, I, I know too well that it's not about, like, creating something and trying to, like, guilt trip or manipulate people, you know, into coming, and it just doesn't work that way. Because God wired us with different passions and different giftings. And, and so as I've been trying to pay attention to how God made us. It made me think about my own kids. You know, my wife and I have four children, and and um, you know, I know when I was growing up, my dad was an engineer, and my parents wanted nothing more than for me to be an engineer. And so when I went to Long Beach State, uh, I chose engineering as my major. And then lo and behold, I started going to missions trips and stuff, and I broke the news to my parents, and there was just this disappointment that I was going to, you know, go into ministry. And so when my, um, our youngest um, daughter started nursing school um, this past Monday, 
You know, I remember like talking to all my kids around the table and saying, hey, how come nobody wants to be a pastor? <laughs> and they were like, oh, no, to <laughs> be a pastor. Um, and, and that was so fine with me because I know that um, as a father, I've always wanted to pay attention to what my kids enjoy, to how they were wired, to how they God made them to be. And I know as pastors, you know, none of us here are the CEO. We, we don't run the church like, a, like a, a senior pastor model where, hey, guys, we have the vision. It's our vision, and you guys are just going to follow. That, that's not how we do things here. You know, we believe in the priesthood of believers and that God has blessed and, and like you, God has created each of you with certain gifts and passions. And so how do we, like, you know, pay attention to that in a way where, you know, we, we, we latch on to Christ and allow Christ's love to actually, like, make us people who, who see the world in abundance and actually are, are generous in the way we live, the way we love, the way we contribute, you know, with our time, our energy, and our finances, and I know one of the ways that I've been sharing with the lead team and the elders has been, um, you know, as I've been trying to think through, you know, what organizations LBCF can be a part of. Um, you know, I've met with several organizations. I've been meeting with different nonprofits. And for some reason, there hasn't been one that has really stood out that, that has felt like, okay, this, this, might be, this, this might be a good fit for the church. But Mary introduced me to a, a group here in Long Beach, and I got the tour of the facility. The organization is called City Heart. And if you remember, they were here last month to um, share about what they're doing. And, ju and just to give you a little bit more from my perspective, you know, when I went on to the facility, it's right by the 710 freeway um, off PCH, and, and it's like this 27-acre property. And I was like, I know Long Beach. I've, I've like, you know, went to Long Beach State and I was like trying to think, where exactly is this? Uh, it turns out that this used to be the old naval um, base uh, where a, a lot of the housing was. And so when the naval um, base in um, Long Beach closed down, um, a lot of nonprofits took over and made it low-income housing. And so half the people there are veterans, half the people are like, you know, we're close to homelessness and, and now living in this community. And so what City Heart does is they, they, they phrased it this way for me. They said, we're like the family that when the social worker comes, when your parent or loved one is in hospice and they give you all the things that you need to do, we're the family that makes it happen. And so, you know, when I was talking to the leadership, they were like, you know, I was asking, so what can a church like ours like do? And, and they were like, you know what, we, we have like regular, you know, weekly things where we box lunches and provide for people. We have different arts and craft things. We do photography classes and all, and all these things. But honestly, whatever your gift is, let us know and we will create something for you. And so what that means for us is if there's like a few like artists here who want to teach like watercolor or photography or painting or whatever it is, that we form a little small group and say, hey, we can commit to like one day. We can commit to four weeks. We could commit to six months. And they are so flexible in terms of what we can offer. 
But the beauty of this um, organization is they exist in this, you know, this community, right, of like hundreds and hundreds of people who are there just kind of trying to like, um, you know, get out of poverty. And this, this group is trying to help, you know, provide resources. And one of the things that they mentioned too is like, if you have financial people who are good at, you know, financial management and they just want to like, you know, help meet with people in that, that's great. If you have people that want to lead a Bible study, if you, I mean, basically anything, you know, that, that your, your heart's passion and who God made you to be, um, you know, can contribute, um, whether it's four weeks again or three months or six months or whatever it might be, or even on a trial basis. And so that's one of the things I think, you know, um, that we want to really explore, um, and like all things, it's an experiment. I pray that it, it, you know, that we can actually form a healthy relationship. But one thing I do know, as someone who has like really tried to follow Christ, is I know that love is a muscle. Um, that when I'm not exercising this muscle in the way Jesus is describing how to exercise it, it, it becomes like. You know, it, it, it gets weak. And that's why Jesus said, you know what, if you only love those that, that are comfortable to love, if you only love people like immediately around you, you know, what, what, you know, what difference is that? Our love has to be the kind of love that if we are truly to live and love like Jesus, what does it mean? And so I would love to invite all of us to like have that like, you know, posture you know, to, to ask Jesus, what does it mean to love like Jesus? And has my heart grown or, or not grown? Have I become comfortable in my spirituality that it is just centered on myself and the people that's easy to love around me? And so God helped me to like venture out. And so I love this possibility with City Heart because, you know, if we're talking about justice and inequity, this is like, such a meaningful place to like enter into what it means to help those that don't have the same opportunities that many of us have. And so I want to like invite us to think about what does it mean to actually by faith realize that, that God has given us abundance. Do we hoard it? Do we keep it for ourselves? Or do we actually like pay attention to what's happening in the city? And I know for me, this was like going there was like an act of repentance for me because it was like, God, why didn't I know this community existed? And, and part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is actually like, like educating ourselves and pursuing where it is that God is, is wanting, you know, his love to be enacted. And, and like, you know, I just like discovered that here's a beautiful place it is waiting. It's waiting and ready to receive us. And so if any of you are interested in that, please um, approach me. I would love to talk more with you on that. Again, it's not like this big program that we are trying to create that everyone just kind of becomes a part of. But I want something like we want something more organic. What does it mean for us to pay attention to the rhythms of our own life, our own week, how our hours look, how 
how we like are able to, you know, care about our own mental health even, and yet participate in the good work that God is doing. Oh, and also in light of uh, abundance, um, one of the ways we exercise that is not only like right with our time and energy, but part of the way we exercise that is, is, is through um, our giving. And I know when Jesus um, like talked about all these ways of love, you know, one of the ways Jesus like showed was how do we actually give from our possessions? And so right now I want to invite uh, Andrew and Rob, a couple, two of our elders, to come and share, you know, just some of the opportunities you can connect that way through LBCF. Thanks, Danny. Uh, so my name's Rob. I'm one of the elders. I think I was up here last month presenting a similar slide and uh, promised to come back. So let's start with the month-over-month uh, -month financial giving. And just like last month, we've got uh, the months, the actual start of our fiscal year in July, and showing the monthly giving in blue. And then an orange line kind of across the top showing our average monthly expenses with the loan uh, principal on this building, which is close to 35K a month. Um, that's what our expenses are. And as you can see from the blue lines, uh, we haven't hit that this year yet. Um, October saw a spike when True Vision paid two months of rent uh, ahead of November. So that's sort of falsely inflated. You could probably spread that over those two months, October and November. Um, however, December typically is where we see a lot of um, undergiving recouped, but this year we did not. Um, on the right is our year-to-date expenses uh, on the right and then income on the left. So as you can see, there's a shortfall, which um, you know we hope we can offset with this new year, new vision, new people, um, living in abundance. And I'll pass it to Andrew. Yeah, guys, so, uh, you know, giving financially, tithing, you know, we come up here, we talk about this, we want always to be transparent with you guys. We never want this to come from a, you know, this isn't a shame conversation, this isn't anything like that. We want you guys to be informed when you're making decisions about how much and whether to give uh, from your finances to our church, right? So uh, in the spirit of that, we have another slide. Uh, this shows uh, sort of year-end giving uh, bunched together, November uh, in red and December in green over the past three years. And there is a substantial uh, trend in the downward direction. Uh, and that's just the truth of what our finances look like. So we're here to, you know, make sure that everyone's informed of that. We had our three fantastic pastors up here casting an amazing vision for our community for this year. And uh, there's a lot of that vision that needs to be financially supported. Um, and so we would like to challenge you um, if you're able and willing to consider it, how you're giving, how much you're giving, and, uh, you know, uh, giving even to the point of sacrificially. Um, it's, 
it's a really beautiful thing when you give more than you're comfortable with and it comes around in an amazing way to really build the kingdom of God. So uh, we just encourage you guys to think about that. And uh, yeah, we got a great vision this year. Um, we got a great community, great people, and uh, God is going to provide for all of us. So thank you. Thank you, uh, Andrew and Rob. If you have never been a part of a church community where it's like, how does a vision actually play out? Do you remember at the start of our gathering, we thought we were going to have enough time for you to fill out those cards. We had a vision for how the start and the end of the last half hour would play out, okay? Um, and just like vision, you roll with the punches of what happens throughout the year or the half hour that you're up here talking. So what I would really like for you to do is if you have that card, um, if you are not on our text line yet, um, I would just follow up with me after because, boy, we will send you texts. Um, but also because you can reply directly to th that text and we will receive that. But I would love it if you have an idea of answering that question, where do you see yourself fitting into the vision for 2023 that you could email it to lbcf at lbcf.org and we will um, recap some of what existed in our community next week or text in just respond to that text line that tells you each week to get to church um, you can just reply to that text and we will get that also but i our, our plan originally was to kind of pass the mic around and in my heart i still would love to do that um but that's not going to happen today so i would really encourage you to uh, send in whatever it was that you sense coming up for your participation because like we talked about adoption ambassador abundance health, hospitality, and heart. These are, are not just slogans that the leadership wants to retroactively slap onto the things that we currently do, but we want that to be the lived experience of the people in our community. And the only way that we'll know if that's happening is by um, empowering and including and um, actually drawing out the voices like yours because the Holy Spirit dwells inside each of you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And so your feedback for us and how that actually lives in you and what you sense happening in our community is essential. It is not peripheral. That is what we need to have in order to stay accountable to how the Holy Spirit is existing in our community. And so I want to um, ask the worship team to come back up. And then also those who are serving communion each week, we have an opportunity to actually physically participate in what it means to live and love like Jesus by participating in the meal of the Eucharist, that we are taking his body and his blood and, and we are remembering his love for us, but we are also taking it in. And it is a picture of his life, not just being out there somewhere else, but taking it in and it becomes a part of your life, his body in us, our life in him, his life in us. And so we have an opportunity to take communion. So at your own pace, whenever you would like, 
you can come up. We have grape juice and wine and bread. And so um, I would encourage you to take a moment in prayer. And as we close out to reflect on where you see yourself participating in 2023.